Hi Church, it's good to be with you again today. Some of you are meeting for the first time as part of a neighborhood church. Others of you, that's still yet to come. Uh, and others, for various reasons, will continue to, to just watch and be a part of this at home. But either way, it's good to join with you now as we come to the Word. Last weekend, our eldest son turned 12. And I tell you, it's, it's this incredible thing to watch our kids grow up. All of a sudden, we notice that he's moving out of being a boy to becoming almost a teenager. And for the last couple of months, he's been doing schooling at, at home. But this past week, he had to go back to school itself. And so on Tuesday morning, he comes out of his room and he's all dressed and, and ready for school. And he's got on his school jacket. And I say to him, mate, your jacket's looking a bit small. Its sleeves were like coming up halfway up his arms and, and you know, it was at his belly button or, or higher in terms of length. I assume it's the same jacket that he wore last year. But this year, you know, 12 months on, it's now too small for him. He has seriously outgrown it. Luckily for him, we had uh, hand-me-downs that we could pass on. But his jacket wearing illustrates a point that we'll see in our passage today from the book of Acts. See, my son had grown, and in doing so, he had outgrown what had previously fit him. Now, it's not that his growth was a problem. In fact, it's actually really healthy and positive and good. And it's not the jacket's fault. The jacket had served its time and fulfilled its function, but now it just no longer fit anymore. So it would make no sense to try to keep him in it. He needed a new jacket to accommodate his growth. And in Acts chapter 6, we see the same kind of thing happening in the life of the church. The last verse of chapter 5 says that day after day in the temple courts and from house to house they never stopped and that's the apostles it's talking about they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah and the result of this as the apostles and the wider church kept sharing the good news is that the church was growing that's what the whole book of Acts is about. And we see it time and again, the, these statements about the growth and expansion of the church. It was good and healthy. But as we'll see, the growth of the church meant that it had outgrown some of its structures and processes that had previously been serving it well. So let's have a look at it from verse 1 of Acts chapter 6. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. With this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now what we see in this story is that the church had outgrown its jacket. 
And so some things needed to change if it was going to continue to grow and flourish. Back in chapter 4, we saw this description of the life of the early church. It says there that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. This was the practical way that, that all the needs, including that of the widows, were being cared for. And while it doesn't say it explicitly, the implication is that the responsibility for the sharing out of the money that was given were laid with the apostles to whom the money had been given. But now, in what we read in Acts 6, the system was breaking down. The church had grown it. And while the apostles no doubt were, were doing their, their best, just the size of the thing had got too much for them. The result was that the Greek-speaking Jews felt that their widows, who, who had no means of supporting themselves, that they were being overlooked in the provision of care and response to needs that was going on. Now, this is a problem. You know, my, my, This is my son with half his forearms sticking out the end of his sleeves. But the way that this problem was dealt with, at least initially, was also problematic. Instead of solving it themselves, or instead of appropriately raising this as an issue and concern with the apostles, the Greek Jews complained against the Hebraic Jews. I mean, it wasn't even their fault. And worse then, the word that's used in the text for complaint is the same word that gets used of the Israelites in their grumbling and murmuring against Moses and God in their years in their wilderness. And it never was received well. And it never went well for them either. But rather than let either problem, the problem of the food or the problem of the murmuring, rather than let any problem, either problem, continue, the apostles effectively called a church meeting. They recognize there that they are at their limits. They could devote more of themselves to, to making sure the money and the food is distributed pro appropriately, as they say. Uh, but rather they say, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God. This was their primary task and responsibility to do. And if they were to continue to give this the attention that it needed, they needed to pass on the task of caring for the widows. And so that's what they do. Seven men are identified to take on this ministry, as we see in verse 5. They all have Greek names. So presumably, they were chosen from among the Greek-speaking Jews to ensure that their needs were being addressed. While that was probably a bit of common sense, that was not the criteria on which their selection was based. The twelve apostles had given the direction to appoint men who are known to be full of the Spirit and of wisdom. The J.B. Phillips version paraphrases this to say uh, that they needed to be both practical and spiritually minded. Now, I don't want us to miss this. So the role of caring for widows and the distribution of food and such, that could have just been given to someone who was administratively gifted. They could have then set up a roster, arranged bank accounts, kept a record of who received what and when and how much and, and all the rest. And that would have been great. But the apostles were not looking for someone just to run a distribution center. 
This was a work of the church. This was a work of Jesus' body on earth. So it needed to be based on more than just a human skill and ability. But conversely, it also needed to be based on more than just being someone who was uh, known to be full of the Spirit, someone who was particularly godly. Because there can be beautiful, godly people who couldn't organize something to save their lives. What's the phrase? That they're they're too heavenly-minded to be of any earthly good. And so neither being just practical or just spiritual was enough. They needed to be both. And I think this emphasizes uh, the, the importance of the work that they were undertaking. They weren't just running a kitchen. They were engaged in the ministry of the church. They were engaged in the ongoing work of Jesus. And we see this even further then as they are commissioned into this service. The apostles laid their hands on them and prayed for them. Now, now this is something that we tend to do if someone is being commissioned into a key leadership role within the church or if someone is going off on mission somewhere or perhaps sometimes we, we do it, we lay hands on praying for parents when they're coming and dedicating their children. But I'm not aware, though, of ever having laid our hands on someone uh, to, to commission them to their ministry and their service for our car parkers, our welcomers, or, or our morning tea organizers. We don't do it for our tech guys, the, the handymen, or those who look after the church grounds. But maybe we should. Because I think what this passage shows us is that these things and the people who do them are important. They are different to the teaching of the word and of leading in prayer and of providing oversight to the church as a whole. But they are still necessary and they are still important. After all, you wouldn't even be watching or listening to this without the service of people like our tech team. You wouldn't be gathered in a home with others in your neighborhood church if you've started that this weekend, if it wasn't for your hosts who were being hospitable to you. John Stott, in his commentary on this passage, says that a vital principle is illustrated in this incident. It is that God calls all his people to ministry. That should be God with a capital G. That's my typo. But uh, God calls all his people to ministry and he calls different people to different ministries. It's lost a bit in the translation of the NIV, but the word ministry or service is used of both the ministry of the word and of the ministry of the table. Neither is superior to the other, but both are Christian ministries, serving God and serving his people. They just have different roles and different functions, but both are equally valid. And the significance of what they were doing meant that, that then the apostles and the church, that they weren't just looking to fill a roster, but they needed people who were known to be full of the Spirit and of wisdom. And in the coming chapters of Acts, we see Stephen, who is one of these seven, uh, be the first Christian martyr. And we see Philip, another of them, uh, spread the gospel uh, as he shares it with an Ethiopian eunuch, uh, and then he goes on to Caesarea and he does it there as well. 
I mean, these were, these were quality people. But also, uh, while we know that about Philip and Stephen, we, we don't hear of the others again. And either way, though, it, it doesn't matter whether they and their ministry is known or not. What mattered was their character, that they had proven themselves to have a godly wisdom and to be full of the Spirit of Christ. And from that, then they served. They served the church. They served God's people. And then the, the result of this identifying, commissioning, and releasing these men into this ministry was that the word of God spread. And the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. By, by taking off that too small jacket of the apostles overseeing the food distribution, and instead putting on, on that larger, that better-fitting jacket of getting more and more people involved in the ministry of the church, as a result of doing that, the gospel spread. The church grew. And even people who had been previously resistant came now to faith. How exciting and how encouraging then that even the seemingly simple and practical matters in the life of the church are used by God to contribute to the growth of his church. And so for us as a church, as we move to church in our neighborhood and to meeting in our homes, we too are changing our jacket to something that fits better. In our case, it's not so much that we've outgrown our jacket, Gosh, I can't even get this one on. It's not even that we've outgrown our jacket. Because things, yeah, you know, I think we'd all agree that things on the whole had been going really quite well for us. But rather because of COVID-19, our jacket has suddenly shrunk and it no longer fits. Because of the restrictions that have come in, and we're not able to do things in the way that we were. Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with this jacket. This is a good quality pumpkin patch jacket. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with it. But it doesn't fit anymore. And so it would be foolish to try to keep on wearing it and getting any benefit from it. So what we need to do is we need to take off this old too small jacket and instead now put on a new jacket, one that fits and that serves us well, which is what we're doing with our neighborhood churches. As we look at this passage, what's exciting about the idea of church in the neighborhood is that more and more people have to get involved in the ministry of the church. Certainly, as we've been doing church online, it's become a bit of a spectator sport. I mean, we can sit at home on our couch in our PJs and we just watch. It doesn't ask much of us. But what we see in Acts 6 is that for the church to grow, more and more people need to pick up more and more of the ministry. And as we engage in neighborhood churches, then it's going to be all hands on deck. There will be retirees opening their homes, the teenager running the technology, and kids running to open the door as each new person arrives. There will be dads interacting with other people's kids. There will be mums debriefing with a grandma. And the tween will be there just looking up at the young adult in awe and just wanting to be like them. 
There will be meals cooked and shared, deep conversations to be had, and prayers for each other. The faith of the young child will inspire and encourage the mature saint, while their faith over the long haul will inspire and encourage the young and the growing. The apostles, they couldn't do it all. That jacket was too small for them. And as pastors, we can't do it all. But all of us together can do it. So how do we change into the new jacket? How do we get rid of the, the old one and, and just fit in, uh, step into something now that, that fits us again? Well, here are four quick steps for us. The first is simply to actually change. I mean, our son could have still tried to wear his too small jacket to school, but he didn't because he made a decision to change. So don't stubbornly hold on to how things were because they're not like that anymore. As David had said, the mission is still the same. We're not abandoning or moving from that. But the methods that we use, they need to change. So be willing to change and to move with where the Spirit is blowing. Secondly, serve. What we see in this passage is more people serving more people. And so particularly as you start meeting in neighborhood churches, think about what you can do to serve the group. We have this principle as parents in our house that the youngest child who can do a job should be the one who does it. So our six-year-old, for instance, he's still too young to cook dinner. Our 15-year-old can do that. Our 13-year-old can, but, but he, our six-year-old can't. But what he can do is open the blinds or he can unstack the dishwasher. And so those are his jobs. And as parents, we try not to do them for him. And so likewise, in your neighborhood churches, don't limit the ministry just to the adults. If you're a kids' church kid, I mean, think about what you can do in your neighborhood church. Like you can pray, you can read the Bible, you can set a table, you can ask questions about the sermon, you can help wash up, you can do a host of things. So whatever age you are, think about the ways in which you can serve. Thirdly, you can use your gifts. This is really a, a part of serving, but, but in a big church like ours, there might be gifts that you have that you don't really feel that you're able to exercise. But in a smaller, local expression of the church, there may very well be ways uh, for you to use the gifts that God has given you to bless others. And fourthly, in terms of how we change into the bigger jacket that fits us, we need to grow. See, these men were known to be full of the Spirit and of wisdom. The, the fruit of the Spirit's transforming work in their lives was evident to others. So pursue your growth in God. Pursue God. And be an active participant in it all. I mean, as I said earlier, Church Online has made it easy for us to just be a spectator. But we are called to get into the game. And this means more than just showing up on a Sunday to play the game of church at that time. It means training off the field during the week as well. In fact, with the football season having just started again this week, only players who train and train hard throughout the week are among the ones who get selected to go onto the field for the actual game. So let's engage. 
Let's participate. Let, let's put in effort. Let's change. Let's serve. Let, let's use our gifts and let's grow. And may the word of God spread as we do so. So I'm going to pray for us as individuals and, and as churches that we'll do our part to put on the new jacket and to see Christ formed in us and through us that much more. After I've prayed, we'll sing. And then I'll be back uh, with some other things to say for our church as we move forward at this time. But for now, let's pray. God, we thank you for this encouragement from your word. For us to, to get in the game. For us to be actively engaged in our faith. And God, I pray that we would do so uh, wherever we are. We might still be meeting in our homes just with our families. We might be gathering with others in, in small groups and neighborhood churches, wherever and however it is, God. May we just look to uh, serve you and serve others. God, we pray that there would be more people serving more people and so that the spread of your word can just continue, that your church could continue to grow. May we not hold on to um, methods that we've outgrown, but may we instead always seek to be following you and your leading into what the, the new thing is that you would have for us to be doing, the new way for us to engage in the mission that you have for us. We pray, God, um, just that you'd use us and that in doing so, you would just continue to make us more and more like your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.